0: Everybody and welcome to episode eight of the blocks. Joining me this afternoon, we have the normal crew back again. Starting off with me, my name is Timothy Mercier. I'm also joined this afternoon by Peter Parker. What's up, guys? uh Nicholas Hebert. How you doing, everybody? And uh, I also have Ian McMullen with me.
1: McMullen, is that what we're going with? All right. Yeah. What's up? <laughs>
0: Dude, that's a beautiful name. Come on. yeah, uh, yeah. You got to embrace it. Don't be afraid right. of it.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's my new name. I'll go with that.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Um, Yeah, so welcome to the podcast, everybody. Um, just a reminder, if everybody c- could send us an email, we'd really appreciate it. Um, and our email address is theblockspodcast at gmail.com. Uh, we have a couple of new ones this week. Hot and fresh off the presses. Um, actually, this one's a couple weeks old, but I wanted to wait for Ian to be here so he could chime in on this one. Yes, sir. So we've got a couple of car guys here. <laughs> um,
1: I, I enjoy anything car-related.
0: Perfect. This is a great question for you, then. Um, so this email comes to us uh, from Stephen from Biddeford, Maine. And he says, if you have a choice between these three cars and a specific year for that model, which would you choose and why? We Our options are Ford Mustang, Dodge Charger, or Chevy Camaro. And uh, Steven wants to get us started off by saying that he would pick a 1968 Dodge Charger. Because he loves the way that they look and the style of the body.
1: That's fair. That is fair. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know why uh, uh, his choice would be a sedan. Like old school, it would be a a muscle car. The old Chargers are definitely more of a muscle car. Um, the new age Chargers are four door sedan.
0: Frost, like that. Any time in history, where are you going with?
1: Between like the the muscle car or just like your dream all, car? I mean, Who? That's that's a difficult question. Um, Money,
0: money's no question, or uh, you know, no object.
1: I think it's uh, what is it? What's that hypersport car? I have to double check. I just really like the look of it. I think it's called the Lycan something. Okay. Uh, yeah, the Lycan hypersport.
0: The Lycan hypersport.
1: Yeah, it looks kind of like a mixture between an Audi uh A8 or R8 whatever it is. And like a, I don't even know, like a, a very, very distinguished like hyper or like supercar. Take a look at it. If you look it up right now, it looks looks really cool. That's probably been my my choice.
0: Okay, what are they uh, selling those the puppies for?
1: Oh, that is a good good question. Let me take a quick guess. Three point four million.
0: Oh, okay. I was gonna ask if it was like over a hundred grand, but. I I guess it is.
1: Yeah, it's it's a pricey car.
0: What do you got? What do you think about this one, Peter?
2: Well, so for the question of between the three cars, it was a. I'm sorry, Camaro, Mustang, and Challenger.
0: Dodge Charger.
2: Charger. Okay.
0: He's asking about any year. Any year. Which one are you picking?
2: Um, well, I'm not really in tune with how they've changed throughout the
3: years. I would think um, it
2: wouldn't it wouldn't be the the Camaro. I know that it's got really good results on a track, but and again, I haven't really uh, ridden in any of these cars. I just know what I've read about them online. I know that the Camaro is kind of like the best on the track, but it's kind of miserable to ride day-to-day because it has like no visibility and personally for me i don't like the styling on it either i think it looks kind of ugly um i think uh the mustangs are really good middle ground between like a track car and uh you know daily driver type car and then the yeah the it was a charger right i keep i keep getting confused yeah yeah okay so uh... i'm not i'm not really a fan of the charger i like the uh the Challenger, yep, more yep. that'd be a more serious consideration for me, because uh, the Challenger is definitely like the most daily driver road car of the three, because that's what it's trying to be. You know, it's like it's not trying to tear up the track; it's trying to be like a really great highway cruiser. Um, but the Charger, I'm just not a fan of. I think I think it's because I'm a little overexposed to them. It seems like everyone has a Charger. Um, <laughs> Yeah. And, yeah. As he's, Ian was saying, it's just—it's basically just a sedan with like muscle car fixings. Yeah. Um, sure. So yeah, I'd, I'd go with the—I'd go with the Mustang for sure between those three. If it mm-hmm. was a Challenger, that would be a closer closer call. Mm-hmm, I'd have to mm-hmm. think more about that.
0: Sure. Sure. Uh, I personally don't have much to say on this. Too much. I'm not much of a car guy, to be honest. But me neither. In the um in the spirit of answering the question. I'm gonna go with a 1969 Chevy Camaro. Okay, good mm-hmm. choice. For, thank you, thank you. Uh, but I'm also very happy with my Subaru. So <laughs> <laughs>
1: hell yeah, reliability. You know,
0: sure. Yeah, good in the snow. You need four-wheel that drive. up here, in, yep. up here in the main winters. Yes, sir.
2: Although yep. a lot of uh, a lot of muscle cars these days have four wheel drive versions, right?
1: So that's, yeah, that's pretty the, nice. the challenger mm-hmm. has a all wheel drive, but I think the okay. challenger is the only one with the all dr- wheel drive platform.
2: Oh, OK. OK. And unfortunately, yeah, don't it comes even with a like, V6. They don't even have like a four wheel drive type thing. No, all-wheel unless you're going oh, with like
1: okay. uh, that. That's where the charger comes into play, where it's that muscle car sedan looking thing. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the, there's one car I'm looking at, the Infiniti Q60. That's kind of like a sports car more than a muscle car, and that's all wheel drive
0: platform. Okay. I saw this dude driving around the other day who had like a, a body kit on his car, and it was literally coming off. It was like less than an inch off the ground. <laughs> yeah. Driving something like that must be a nightmare.
2: Those are it- rad until you get to speed bumps, and then you have to like look up maps and roads of a city before you go through it so you can pick a route without any speed bumps you know yeah and driving down like you have to like angle your car so it doesn't
1: like scratch the hell out of it
2: yeah
0: that's ridiculous yeah (laughs) i love the underglow some people get pretty crazy with their cars (laughs) hey you gotta respect all
3: builds
1: respect all builds everybody has their taste
0: you got you got a favorite car, Nicholas?
4: Um, I don't really. I mean, out of those, I I wasn't ever a fan of the Mustang or the Camaro or the Charger. Um, my mom was rebuilding a Chevy Nova when I was a kid, cool. and I th- thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, Novas um, are nice, but that's really all I know about old muscle cars.
0: Hmm. I miss your old uh, convertible that you had. The, the, the Mitsubishi. I think it was sweet.
4: That was
1: sweet. <laughs> it must have been an eclipse, right?
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. With the soft top. <laughs> yep. <laughs> oh, man. All right. Uh, thanks for the email, Stephen. Our next one comes to us from a, f- a frequent emailer, uh, Andrew, who lives in Gray, Maine. And his question this week is Would you rather. Have free access to all video games, but have no access to human contact for one year? Or, would you rather have no access to video games, but have infinite social energy for one whole year? Who wants to start? I'll start.
4: Um, I would rather... Have no access to video games and infinite social energy mm-hmm. because, like, no human contact is kind of scary. Sure.
1: <laughs> yeah, there's plenty of studies out there that show the you know, detriments of doing that.
0: Yeah, I'd like to know how far this goes, right? Like, can you not go to work? Can you not talk to your wife and kids? Oh, um, wouldn't that be something? <laughs> Assuming you can do all that stuff, yeah. Either way, I could probably give up video games for a year. I mean, uh, v- versus the the other option, doesn't sound like much fun. Uh, yeah. Does this mean like cell phone games and everything? I, yeah, think I guess so. so. I
4: would I would say yes. Damn, that'd be tough. Right, <laughs> but to feel like a normal person every day would be kind of wild.
0: What are you saying? Normal people don't play video games? No,
4: I'm saying to feel like a normal person and have energy to be socially interactive on a day to day basis.
1: We can also look at the benefits, too. Like uh, just not playing video games for a year. Think about how much, or the possibility, I should state, being productive rather than sitting down and playing like a game for a couple hours, you could be learning something or teaching yourself something, something improving your own skill set, learn an instrument, you know, build, you could start actually like building a game that you would like. You're not playing it. You're creating like a, a card game or a tabletop game and stuff like that. Write a book, anything like
0: that.
4: Hey, they're professional video game players. I'm just saying.
0: I, I yeah, I know that. <laughs> Damn it. All right. We're canceling the podcast. <laughs> Let's all go learn something and be productive. <laughs> yeah. The hell are we start doing? A Let's Thanks, start a Andy. band. Thanks, <laughs> Andy. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I'd, I'd agree with you guys. I'd probably take that option too. Just because it'd be, for me, it'd be like a an interesting change of pace, you know? Because I'm kind of mm. an introvert and I I play a decent amount of video games, so to kind of flip that and reverse that dynamic would be pretty interesting. I don't know if I would, uh, I don't know if I'd have the drive to constantly you know be learning or building something with all my free time but it would still be a a cool experience
3: for sure um
0: but yeah i would definitely you know it, it would be tough yeah obviously i think the um the social energy is is a pretty obvious answer right but it would kind of suck seeing all these cool new video games come out and not mm-hmm. being able to play them and but hey it's only for a year right so yeah it's pretty doable all right thank you very much for the email andy just a reminder anybody that wants to send us an email and ask us car questions or uh questions that make us want to quit the show um <laughs> You can send those questions to theblockspodcast at gmail.com. All right, let's jump into some group discussion topics that I've picked out for us this week. Um, The first thing I wanted to talk about was the Sonic the Hedgehog 2 movie that recently came out and how wildly successful it is. Um, so on its opening weekend, it made seventy one million dollars, which oh. is a pretty huge number despite COVID and everything that's going on.
1: Do you know the budget of that movie? How much it costs to make it?
0: How much? Do you know what it is?
1: No, that's why I'm asking you.
2: I don't.
0: Know. Uh, I. Don't. I ha- it was. Um, I saw it in the article, but it it made like thirty million more than its budget.
1: Okay,
0: mm-hmm. and just the opening weekend.
1: Uh, according to this, its budget is 110 million.
0: Oh, I got gotcha. you. Wow. So, has it um, passed it yet since it came out?
1: Uh, box office 246 million.
0: Yeah. So it's gone way above it. Uh, it's it's on track right now, I think, to become the best selling uh, video game movie that's ever been created. And, That's a uh, good just, thing. Yeah, I think all that stuff's pretty interesting. It's crazy that um, it took this long, and that this is the movie. Uh, there's so many awesome franchises out there and opportunities to do cool stuff. It's, just, it's I, I am a huge Sonic fan, but um, just it's strange.
4: Yeah, but what they did with like actually halting production and changing Sonic mm. after they released the first trailer. Was like they listened to the fans, which was pretty impressive with Sonic One. So I think that's part of it too, is that those fans are much more devoted now
0: Mm -hmm. to go out and see it because they actually listened. Yeah. They added Tails and Knuckles to this movie, um, which is pretty interesting. But um, yeah. And Jim Carrey's back as Dr. Robotnik. Uh, He's, to me, I do like Jim Carrey, but that's kind of a disappointment in casting. Um, he's you I know. will
1: fight you on that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I will fight you. To me, Robotnik is supposed to be somebody that's like you know tall and extremely overweight and has uh, you know like a deep gruff voice. I just don't see Jim Carrey in that role. What do you like about it, Ian?
1: I just like Jim Carrey as an actor and a person in general. Um, so it is just a biased statement how I like his acting style and his demeanor overall. But yeah. I, I I will agree with you that the casting could have been different. But I, I think mm-hmm. how, how he portrays himself in all of his movies just makes it better. Um, and I think he does an excellent job as Eggman. But to your point, yeah, like... I don't know. Get Jonah now, Jonah Hill to play fucking Eggman. Probably not the best idea, but somebody, <laughs> somebody maybe like that. You you make a good point right there.
0: Uh, Jonah Hill's lost a lot of weight. I threw out. That,
1: Zach. Oh yeah, that's true too.
0: I threw out Zach Gilla, Galifianakis the other day. I think that'd be pretty funny. <laughs> I think that would be pretty great. <laughs> um, does yeah, he, uh, does
2: Jim Carrey have the uh, the. Energy and demeanor of Doctor Robotnik, though at least like, does he try to be faithful to the character, even though his his physical stature and frame aren't aren't really matching up? I, uh, personally, I think so in the first movie. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. What's that? In the first movie, he played him fairly accurately, I would say. But that's okay. that would be my t- two cents on that.
3: Okay.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I think it was okay, but again no nothing against jim carrey i really do like him as an actor and stuff i just think that that role is miscast a little bit but um it clearly worked because they got a they brought a big name to the project and it's bringing people out to see the movie mm-hmm. um i did see that they have a third movie in the works as well as a spin-off title just featuring knuckles by himself cool. so, yeah, that's- <laughs> yeah. I gotta Didn't...
2: start watching these. I still haven't seen the first one.
0: It was, but, actually, you know, yeah. pretty good.
2: Yeah, people are saying these are good movies, so I, I thought, thought it was
4: pretty like, decent.
1: And... Yeah,
2: the second one people are saying are good. It's like I don't have much of an excuse to to not watch them anymore.
1: <laughs> I went yeah. in with no expectation, and that's probably what made it even better than what I thought it was going to be. <laughs> okay,
2: okay, cool.
0: Yeah, I thought it. I thought it was pretty decent too. Uh, better than expected, for sure.
1: Funny how they got bullied out of their art direction for Sonic.
0: <laughs> that original oh, trailer in the first
2: movie? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah. That original trailer was pretty crazy with the gangsters paradise music <laughs> yeah. in the background and yeah. Sonic with his human horse teeth and
4: <laughs> yeah, like they made him look too much like an actual hedgehog. Yeah. Yeah, it was it was scary.
2: Seems like they didn't know what they were doing at that point, but then it's yeah it's really cool as you as you were saying how you know they listen to the fans and now you know they've got a dedicated fan base like they've got two good movies under their belt and that probably would not have happened if they just did what most uh studios do and say well we don't you know we're not going to listen to public outcry we're just going to listen to what our focus group testing shows us you know
1: yeah, should Oops. we make a reference to Halo because of that? Like the whole all of ADO, like Halo's true fans right now are so, they're so angry at the show. <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I can imagine. I haven't heard much hype or anyone talk about it, so I, you know, much articles online. So I can <laughs> I'm imagine going not well liked. Yeah, but is it's, it...
1: uh, I- I'm still going in with like zero zero like uh hype or anything like you just said like my ambition to see this uh tv show, even though i, I have a huge fan of halo is not there
0: mm-hmm. yeah um uh, there's already some episodes of that out correct
1: yeah i think there's four or five right now as as we're talking about it
0: mm-hmm. gotcha um so getting back to sonic real quick um so for the th- i mentioned that they were doing a sequel and at the same time, Jim Carrey, had, you know, announced that this, that Sonic two was going to be the last project that he ever works on. Wow. So They're going to have a chance to recast that role, but also this is Jim Carrey's last movie. Um, that, you know, obviously Ian was just talking about how he really appreciates him and likes his work. Yep. And, uh, what, what are some of the movies you like him in?
1: I mean, I grew up on, um, like, what, The Grinch, obviously. That's kind of the, the main staple that he's a little bit known for. And The mm-hmm. Mask and, um, what is it, Ace Venture Pet Detective. Like, those movies alone just kind of shaped a little bit of, like, my childhood cool. and, like, high school and stuff. So, it's his his, like, almost comically don't give a fuck attitude that's always been an interest of mine. And it, it's, sure. it's, it, it's, it's sad to see him go, but he's also like one of those genuine actors who's like, you know, if you listen to his last interview where he's like, you know, he's, he's kind of happy with himself and he has enough and he's pretty just content, then it's, it's nice to see that instead of him just trying to drag on just to drag on to make more money. So I could sure. appreciate sure. coming from.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, One. One uh, that you didn't mention that I really like is Dumb and Dumber, obviously. That's a huge point. That's a good one. Yeah. But yeah, the other ones, like you said, Ace Ventura. Um, yeah. Um, he's going to be missed. I enjoyed a lot of his movies. Oh, yeah. Anything else anyone wanted to say about Sonic 2 or Jim Carrey or anything? Nope. I think I'm all set. Cool. Okay, let's move on to... I think we've talked about this a little bit but the new magic set has been completely revealed and it's coming out next friday um so i just wanted to talk about a a couple new cards that i'm excited about seeing come out and um talk about the draft that we're doing next week so just a couple cards here uh i'm going to talk about the the Fleetfoot Dancer. It's um, one generic mana, red, or a mountain, a forest, and a plains. It's a 4 4, and it's got trample, lifelink, and haste. So this is obviously going to be fun to play around with. It's a pretty big creature. Can attack right away, gain you some life. Looking forward to playing with that one. Um, there's a pretty cool angel coming out that can. Put counters on other angels. It can, it's can. it got Villagence, so you can attack with it. It's got flying. You can uh, tap to add mana for more angels. That one's called Giada, Font of Hope. And, um... So yeah, you know, the theme of this set is three-color shenanigans. There's lots of lands, too, to be able to splash for different colors. Um, anybody else excited for this?
4: Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. There's a lot of a lot of cool interactions that seem to be able to happen with the set. Um I think one of the cool new abilities is connive, where you get to draw a card and then discard if it's a non-land. You get to put a plus one plus one counter.
0: Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah, that yeah, that's a pretty cool mechanic. Looking forward uh, to that one. The mm. big card
1: I'm looking forward to is that artifact yeah. one that I've mentioned a couple times at work, where it's like you tap a land and you get instantly get a treasure token. Like, it's that's I can see that going on a lot of decks, and I'm excited to see what's going to happen with that.
0: Yeah, at the end of your opponent's turn, you just tap all your extra mana, right?
1: Yeah, exactly. To get the In treasures, treasure.
0: mm. mm-hmm. so those come into play tapped, or they just
1: Uh, that is a good question. Uh, I'm trying Mm -hmm. to find that card right now so I can double check.
0: Uh, Sure. Um, so yeah. So next Friday, I've already got all the regular guys on board to uh, come over and do the draft. So there'll be six people. And what's cool about this time is that, um... The papers or the sets coming out on paper essentially the same day that it does on Arena instead of a couple weeks later. So, no one in the group's really going to have a chance to practice playing with the cards or get a feel. So, everybody's pretty much going into it at the same experience level. Were you able to find that card, Ian?
1: No, but I know it's out here. I wonder if it's on Google Images. It's got to be somewhere, uh, right? Oh, here huh. lands you control have tap create a treasure token. So no, they do not come into mm-hmm. play tapped. It looks like.
0: Mm-hmm. What's the name of that card?
1: A uh, bootlegger's stash. Gotcha,
0: and it's an mm-hmm. artifact.
1: It is. It's a six, um, or five colorless, one green um, artifact that lands you control have, like I said, tap create a treasure token. Cool. That's crazy.
0: Yeah. Seems pretty powerful. There's a lot of treasure stuff going on.
1: Oh, Can, yeah. I can't been, wait.
0: They've been pushing treasures a lot over the past couple of years.
1: Like I said, run, run some gold span dragons. Oh, it's going to be crazy.
0: Yeah, for sure. Um, but yeah. Anybody got any guesses on who's going to win the draft next Friday? Not Logan. I hope not. I'm gonna pick. Mm, I'm gonna pick myself.
1: I <laughs> mean, I want to win, but I, I'll put my. I'm gonna put my money on Logan again. He's gonna win. He's the gonna take the <laughs> Wow.
4: Yeah, we'll see how it goes. We can just beat him up after if he wins.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's right. Take his stuff.
4: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Beat him up
0: and Robin. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Peter, nothing on magic.
2: No, not, not right now.
0: All right, fine.
2: No
0: <laughs> Next time you're in town, you're going to have to do a draft of this. Make it Absolutely. You. For sure. All right. Um, so last night, or yesterday, not last night, some point yesterday, the new King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard album dropped. And I listened to it probably four or five times yesterday. Uh, really liking it so far. This is their 19th album that they've come out with in the past 10 years.
2: Wow. Wow!
0: <laughs> yeah, very prolific band. So, we're, you know, averaging almost two albums a year. So it's pretty cool as a fan, right? Um, they, they come out constantly every six months or so. You never have to wait long. And uh, this album hasn't disappointed So uh, in the first few listens.
2: No, I've
4: I've listened to it a couple of times as well and I I feel like there are several different genres all within the one album. Um like there's some slower songs, there's some faster ones, there's some hip hop songs on there. There's like a death metal screaming kind of thing um in one song.
0: It it's really nice to listen to. Yeah, that's, Yeah, that's something that's pretty unique about it, right? the like nick was just talking about um on one track you have a heavy metal and then the next song you go completely 180 different genre it's hard to believe that some of these songs are made by the same band um but yeah peter i know you've listened to some king gizzard are you gonna give this one a try
2: yeah i think i will um it just totally skipped my mind or i would have listened to it already for the and. You know, so I should sure. give my take for the podcast, yep. but hopefully, hopefully by next one.
0: Yeah. Yeah. we'll. I'm sure we'll still be listening to it then. So. Oh, yeah. I'm actually
2: going to queue it up right now in, uh, in Spotify. So I don't cool. forget.
0: <laughs> it's worth a listen.
2: Good. Yeah. Good.
0: So a couple of highlights on this one, The uh, or a couple of things to note. The first track on there is 18 minutes long. Oh, wow. wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I see that.
4: Yeah. Um, it doesn't feel like it is 18 minutes though like it feels like there's a few different like change-ups in mm-hmm. the tempo and and the type of music and everything and the lyrics so it it does seem to flow really well
0: yeah and yeah. once you get past the first track it's um more or less like a regular album they're right all, back. yep they're all four or five minutes long each track and like nicholas said This is the first King Gizzard album that introduces a little bit of hip hop. Mm -hmm. They have like a couple of Beastie Boys inspired songs in there. And it's just, it's very interesting. It's nice to listen to. It's uh, reminiscent of one of their first few albums called Oddments, where they, it was more or less like, okay, it was more or less like a lot of B sides that were left over from other albums that didn't make it that they kind of put on there. Um, so this has the same kind of feel to it, different songs left over from other projects that they worked on and they just kind of flesh them out a little bit and put them onto this album. Right. So yeah, next week we'll, once Peter listens to it we'll, and possibly Ian, we'll see, we'll have some more talk about on that uh Last topic to I wanted to talk about today was there was a new Kingdom Hearts Four trailer that dropped. Did anybody get a chance to watch that? I watched it. Mm Hmm. Uh, Peter, Ian, did you guys see it? No, but I
2: heard about it.
1: Mm -hmm. Kingdom Hearts isn't really my forte, so. Um, sure. I, I, the only thing I really like about Kingdom Hearts was like Crystal Chronicles way back when on the GameCube, but other than that, it, I haven't really
0: kept up with it. Uh, I gotcha. Um, so, yeah, I liked the first couple when I was in high school, and then the last game I thought was terrible. Uh, but I still... Despite all that, Kingdom Hearts still has a small little place in my heart, just because uh, from playing it in high school and being obsessed with it back then. So I have a little bit of hope for the next game. It also looks like it takes place entirely in the real world rather than like a cartoon style. So there's been a lot of people theorizing that they're going to be able to go to some properties that they haven't been able to visit before, such as uh, Star Wars or, um, you know, Toy Story. They did that in the last game, but that's another. I'm trying to think. There was a few franchises they talked about that, oh, uh, the Marvel movies, um, things that take place more in a real world setting than cartoony. So that type of stuff could be interesting, but if it has this, if it still has the same type of battle system and and flow as the other, as the first few games, then probably not going to be great. Um, but yeah, all that being said, the trailer looked pretty interesting and. I have a little, a slight ray of hope for that one. So,
4: yeah, I would, I would like to see them come back with a great game because the last one was really awful. Mm -hmm. I mean, I played through it and got as close to hundred percent as I could, but
0: I was not impressed overall. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I guess Square Enix in general, right? Back in when we were in high school and. Even a few years before that, were on top of their game, releasing hit after hit, and um, the the past I don't know ten years, basically since Final Fantasy thirteen came out, they uh, I haven't been in, I liked a lot of their games or been interested in them, um, and Final Fantasy sixteen looks to continue that trend. They're going back to more of a um fantasy setting but the battle system and stuff is still action based and and yeah just something i'm not too interested in but i really wish they'd go back to their roots a little bit and released some classic turn-based um type
3: of stuff but anywho Anybody else have any group dis- topics they wanted to bring up? Anything cool going on?
0: No. Nope. Cool. All right. Well, let's go ahead and jump into the blocks section of the podcast. Uh, this week, we're going to start off with Nicholas. He's got some cool stuff to talk about. Yep. Uh, so
4: I finished Kirby and the Forgotten Land. I got 100% on my file completion, which I didn't feel was too overly difficult. Um, There were a few things that I had to look up to see where they were or what things needed to be done. But overall, searching through every level, even if you had to play it a couple of times to to find everything, you you pretty much could. i wound up doing all the treasure roads <clears throat> they uh um it were quite challenging to do the time attacks i didn't get all of that uh, there was one that i couldn't get
0: you want to uh, explain what those are
4: yeah they so the the copy abilities that kirby has you they have treasure roads where you get rare stones to upgrade them um and through up through completing those treasure roads, you're able to upgrade your skills to be more powerful as the game progresses. And they are like just short time trials, a couple of minutes long. Usually, they have a target time to try and beat that's twenty seconds or thirty seconds shorter than what time they actually give you. But overall, the game was pretty easy in in those. There were a few that, I had to just I just start over and retry to get it. Um, but I wound up getting all the upgrades for the copy abilities. I did all the Colosseum stuff. I found all the hidden Waddle D's in the levels. Um, I did all the endgame stuff, finding uh, the extra levels, which were a lot of fun. Uh, and they're all like the world's but pieces of those worlds that you get to play through as just one giant level. Hmm. Minimal checkpoints. They're actually... I thought those were the the most challenging part of the game, which was really nice to have for an in-game
0: thing. Hmm. Um, Got all the capsules. Yep. The capsule toys.
4: Yeah, all the figurines. I just wound up finding the hidden ones, and I just bought them out of the little vending machine thing that you can buy them out of. Hmm. They just kind of let you keep getting them yeah so it's an easy way to flesh out all those and once you get that game's pretty much done mm-hmm. yeah
0: so overall the game you really liked it
4: yeah it, i it sucked me in i i haven't played really triangle strategy in since kirby came out mm-hmm. it's just been a lot of fun
0: yeah yeah i played a bunch of this game too and i i also really enjoy it it's colorful, the The hub world is cool that you can unlock stuff, all the upgraded abilities. Um, I think Nintendo really nailed this one out of the park. Um, and it did end up meeting its $60 price tag in my opinion. It had um, lots of content and it took several weeks to beat it. Um, and it, it gets me excited for uh, future Nintendo games that'll come out, like maybe a new Paper Mario that's, that, you know, that, that's, that's this good or, you know,
4: yeah, whatever. I think, and yeah, it would be really nice. Yeah. So, but, but they, with it being an a Nintendo franchise game, Kirby, it's always been that, uh, it was worth the $60 worth the time. I feel like I, I got my money's worth out of it. Yeah. Yeah, cool. Yeah, um, but that from that uh, triangle strategy, I really kind of am. It's a lackluster game. Uh, the battle system is great. the The characters are cool. It's just so story driven and story heavy that it takes a lot to be able to play through it. Um, there's a lot of reading, listening, and it just feels like. They end a bit of a story and then put you right back into another one. But there's a break that you could save in between. Why not just have it all the story in one go? Mm -hmm. It's like short five-minute little blurbs, if that, of some text, and then you're back to the world map. Uh, It's kind of dragging, but I want to finish it because, like I said, the combat is is semi-worth it. I'm almost at the point of just skipping a story to play through the battles and figure out what's going on through that.
0: Yeah, so, like, uh, you know, in a typical JRPG, the beginning is usually extremely story-heavy, and then after, like, a few hours, it's generally more battle-heavy, but that's not the case with this game?
4: No, it, it's not. It's all... Straight story, story battles. There's no random encounters. Uh, there is, um, like you've mentioned before, in Monarch with the phones
3: mm-hmm. uh,
4: to do battles. There's a, a thing in your encampment that you can do yep, um, where you can pick your own battle. They're just mock battles and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But it's still all at your discretion and your characters eventually are just stronger than what they have what they have for the mock battles so you don't really benefit from doing those anymore Mm
0: -hmm. yeah i've heard a lot of people complain about this game saying that it was very story heavy almost to the point of taking away from the fun of it and even though the battles are good um there's just too much story
4: yeah and like, the different abilities that your characters get are really cool. The, the graphics for all of it are fantastic in the battles themselves. The decisions you make are helpful. It makes you feel like you're involved. But having all that extra text and stopping in between and then getting back into more story and stopping and more story, stopping, and then, oh, finally a battle, it just takes a lot out of the game. It <laughs> takes a lot away, for, away from it.
3: Yeah. I know. Um, but what else you got?
4: I finished the audiobooks for The Wheel of Time. Uh, nice. That's all 15 of them or 14.
3: Yeah, 14. Um,
4: the story, again, I I love the story. I've read it a ton of times through the course of my life since fifth grade. Is when I started reading it. Um. Again, I I like how the story ends. It it really kind of brings everything to a close, and how you can reread it. Um. I mean, I, it it definitely left me wanting still more. Like one more story would have been great, but I'm sure that still would have wanted me have, to have one more. Yeah. Uh, and the, and it like. Everything came to an end. He he won. Like it, it was great.
3: Uh, it just, it's sad for it to be over. Um, but I still look forward to
4: all of the uh, seasons on Amazon Prime. I, I really enjoyed season one, even with the changes that they had
3: to do from the book. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Long well, the that's pig- the mark
2: of a? Oh, sorry, sorry, Tim.
3: Go for
2: it. Oh, okay, well, I was just gonna say that's usually the mark of a really good story when you're sad that it's over, right, and that you want more of it. So, oh yeah, I'm glad to hear that.
4: Yeah. Um, and I've, I've I listened I've listened to them on audiobooks. I own the books themselves. Um, I just have a lot of time driving, and for my commute to work, so spending that time listening
3: to an audiobook just kind of makes it seem like a little bit more useful
1: sure what's up and I, uh, uh. I i recently started watching the wheel of time and finished up the first season and i've been talking to you a little bit of it uh, at work and you say it's uh a, a a little divergent from the books themselves and i can see that without even reading the books like i told you um, it does seem like they left a uh, primary dialogue and some people and just some some of the story out of it. Um, that being said, I haven't read the books um, and I find it entertaining. And I probably will finish the series on Netflix or <laughs> Amazon. But uh, it, what's your take on that? How much do you think they left out? And is it, it, is it intriguing enough for somebody to watch without worrying about it, them missing out that part of the book?
3: So... One of the big changes is they leave out an entire city from it was the, that was in the books that isn't in the show. There's a bunch of characters that you don't meet um, in the way that they were met in the books, and that's just, is like I, I can't give any spoilers. I I don't want to in case people want to read it, um,
4: but how things played out, things have changed. I, I did watch a lot of the, the production stuff that they have, the, the how it was made season one, or episode one through whatever on Amazon.
3: Uh, Megan was interested in all that, so I had to watch it with her, of course. Uh, they had to change things to try and have it be a bit more of an adult audience. Changing some relationships uh, that people had how those relationships played out in the in the, seer, in the uh, season versus the actual series. I don't disagree with it. I think there are a lot of people that I've overheard that think that it was kind of silly that they left certain of those things out. The um, and there's actually like a few main characters that that they didn't actually meet that play a big role in. All of the rest of the books so i, I really kind of wonder how they're going to tie all of that in for season two um i know that they have all of the money to be able to do it
1: mm-hmm. it's, yeah that's curious from somebody who hasn't seen the books or hasn't seen the books obviously <laughs> hasn't read the books um i i'm curious how everything's gonna play out and see if i still see anything that seems just out of place
3: yeah, like and and I feel like I know what you're talking about like it felt like they jumped from um, the like the siege of Tyre to the end pretty fast. Yeah. And they did. It doesn't play out like that in the books. There's, oh, okay, a, lo- that there's, makes- there's, there's a like there's a lot more detail, there's a lot more um, progression of character development your main characters in the books of course they can't put all of that information into uh, visual representation but I think that they could have fleshed things out a little bit more Mm -hmm. how long does it take to listen to an audiobook does it show the hours on there is it like 14 hours yeah it depends on the book Mm -hmm. Uh, those ones the wheel of time ones are about 30 hours Average, I think. Times 15 books, you said? Yep. Yeah. So it's not, it's a pretty crazy time investment.
4: I can just start with I highly recommend watching The Wheel of Time and reading the series by Robert Jordan.
1: There it is.
4: There it is.
0: Thank you. That was beautiful, Nicholas. That was a good wrap up. Excellent (laughs) presentation. Thank you. (laughs) All (laughs) right. And with all, after all, that let's go ahead and jump into Peter's block. Peter, okay. I, I hear that you finished a video game.
2: Yes, so I've been just grinding away at Elden Ring and I finally beat it about probably around a week ago. Uh, and I've jumped into my second playthrough now, but I'll just kind of give a wrap up review of the game. Um First of all, it's just—I think we've already covered this. There's just so much content. It was really fun to once I beat the game, actually look up on the wiki all the weapons and stuff and armor sets and see just how much content I missed. Uh, it's really—it's really staggering the amount of weapons you can get and even spells too. Although I kind of did a uh, a once-over of the world before going into New Game Plus and resetting everything. So I could kind of get the the spells and equipment I wanted before kind of losing access to those parts of the world again. Um, Overall, I think it was a good game. But for me personally, my experience wasn't great. Uh, So I would ultimately give the game a six out of ten. I don't think I think it's there's too much good in it to consider it anything like a five, you know, like a five out of ten would be too low for this game. But at the same time, the reason I rate it a 6 instead of like an 8 or a 9 or even a 10 is that for me, I thought the the combat was the worst it's been in the series so far. Um, The big thing was that most of the fights were just kind of trial and error memorization instead of kind of skill and reaction based. Because the enemy's attack animations were very weird. Uh, they they didn't feel natural. They The way you could kind of sum up every single attack by every single enemy in the game is uh, it starts with a kind of slow, weird wind-up. Then there's, it transitions into like a, a slight feint, like a little bit of movement that makes you think they're about to swing at you, so you dodge. But then the actual attack comes out probably like a quarter of a second later. So it hits you because you dodged too early because the game tricks you into dodging early. Um, and then you died, you know, the classic, <laughs> the classic problem slot meme, you died, period, start over, do it again. Um, and the, the issue that I found was, you know, even with the feints, that's not the end of the world, but when the enemy might, for example, if you're fighting some guy with a sword, When they swing their sword, it's like the actual swing is like two frames. That's uh, a 30th of a second. Uh, Your brain can you you are physiologically unable to press the the dodge button and react to it in time for most of the enemies. Some Hmm. some bosses, you know, weren't like this. uh, There's a boss near the end of the game. I won't say the name just in case, uh, especially because I think, you know, Ian hasn't beaten the game but there's nope. a boss near Have the done. end of the game that's kind of more of a classic Dark Souls-esque um, type boss with kind of more predictable attacks, and I had a fun time fighting that, fighting that boss. Um, but yeah, most of the bosses I felt were kind of just... Or not bosses, most of my deaths in the game were kind of quote-unquote gotcha deaths where it wasn't because I was playing poorly, it's because the developers said uh yeah you're gonna die to this over and over until you memorize it you can't you can't intuit your way out of this and you know in previous games you could see oh the this guy is raising his sword above his head he's gonna he's gonna chop soon so i'll just dodge it and you dodge it and you'd be like great i i figured that out and i didn't take damage and in this game that's just not something that happens uh you just kind of have to get killed by stuff over and over until you realize when the actual attack is going to come out so for that i would take off an entire three points because i think combat is at least for me the bread and butter of from software games and i think it's the weakest in this game of the series um and then that would make it a seven out of ten but i rated a six and so the other point i'd take off is just because when i was exploring and kind of trying to find all of the content in the game I felt like a lot of it was almost a little too hard to find, which is kind of a shame. It, it felt usually developers want you to experience all of the work they put into the game, you know? They don't want to mm. design stuff that no one's going to see. But yeah. I think maybe the devs at From Software have a different philosophy or something, but it felt like they were really trying to make you miss um a lot of the content because don't get me wrong there's there's ways to find stuff like um kind of the mini dungeons of the game are called like tombs or catacombs and a lot of them have a little statue nearby that's easier to see and you can walk up to it and interact with it and it'll kind of shoot a beam of light towards where the catacomb is but that's only for a couple of those places i found a lot of them are totally unmarked and just you know hidden behind trees in a cliff um so it's really easy to miss a lot of the stuff they made. Uh yeah. the developers created for the game. And then another issue that for me was a bit of a bigger issue than stuff just being hard to find was that I felt that the items were not very were not placed very logically. Um a, a big example is the Smithing Stone bells, which if you don't know what those are, those are items that you can give to kind of your main Uh, vendor at the home base to increase their inventory and let you buy more stuff. And smithing stones are what let you upgrade your weapon. Uh, You really don't get a lot of them just out in the world. You kind of need to buy a lot of them because upgrading weapons requires so many smithing stones. And their placement is I would say illogical at best. And you could even say it's Totally irrational. Some of them are hidden in mines, which makes sense. Others are hidden uh, on random bosses, whether they're in other dungeons or like a world boss. Just kind of placed randomly. And if you don't either have a guide or if you don't one hundred percent like full clear every little square inch of the map, you're almost certainly going to miss them, and that's going to really hinder your your character because weapon upgrades are a massive part of getting stronger and being able to face the challenges the game throws at you. So for that, I take off another point, and that puts it at a 6 out of 10. I'd give mm. it a solid good rating. I would recommend you play it. I'd give it you know one thumb up, but I think it definitely has some big problems. Um, that maybe because it's kind of fresh and it's such an anticipated, hyped-up game that people aren't really talking about and we'll see we'll see if when the dust settles people kind of share my opinions or if they're like nah like I don't agree Peter I don't Mm. I don't think that's that's true but yeah yeah overall I had a good time and I would recommend it but I wanted to give kind of a more critical harsh um, review on it since it seems like most people think it's like a nine or a ten out of ten and I Mm. disagree with that
0: yeah Uh, from from the videos that I've been watching, it seems like the combat is extremely repetitive. Um,
2: in ways, in ways yeah. it is, yeah. It it's, depends, well, like, how do you mean repetitive? Because maybe I can comment more.
0: Just, well, for instance, the person i have watching has had a spear and every encounter just involves him just stabbing people a couple of times and then they're dead. And I'm sure. Sure, in, sure in the boss fights there's a little bit more strategy involved surrounding dodging and whatnot, but as far mm-hmm. as like just the regular lackey enemies, it's extremely repetitive.
2: Yeah, it's part of that is because, you know, um each well, not every weapon, but almost every weapon, I'd say like 95% of the weapons in the game all have a slightly unique moveset, which is one of the really big draws of the of the from software games for me is that, you know, with the, each weapon you use, is it's slightly different gameplay. But the downside right. of that is that since you've got so many weapons and they all quote unquote require different movesets, each weapon might have unique movesets, but they're not going to have that many moves. So as you yeah. noted, like with a spear, all you're really doing is like stabbing, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. And if you want something new, you're going to have to swap weapons probably.
0: So, I am curious. Anytime I've seen someone play this game, they're always using melee weapons. Is magic something that's viable in these games? It's overpowered.
2: That's, yeah, that's a great question. It's really good in this game, mm-hmm. and actually um, it it has just as far as I know, for the most part, it's just been getting buffed over and over. The most recent patch was kind of sweeping buffs to all mm-hmm. in, uh, incantations and sorceries. Incantations are kind of like holy based, or sorceries is kind of like intelligence based, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, but yeah, I, I think um, they definitely, I feel like the developers definitely intended for every player to be using some form of magic on all of their builds. Because sometimes if you're just using melee with nothing else, some stuff is like really difficult and it feels like it's not supposed to be that difficult.
0: So, and you can't equip some weapons without having some stats and magic, right?
2: Correct. Yeah. Yeah. One of the coolest uh, swords in the game, I think requires a lot of intelligence. Um, it's a sword. I'm not going to say what it is, but it's a sword that makes an appearance in all from soft games. So mm-hmm. if you're familiar with their games, you know, which weapon I'm talking about. Um, yeah,
0: I, I am not. And I do not. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I I was curious about one more thing. Sure. Um, the the, uh, the story. Were you satisfied from a story perspective? Because I've never, you know, in watching this game, I've never seen a cutscene. I've never mm-hmm. seen anything that suggests a story. Um, so I'm just wondering, kind of like what the endings like, and sure. what your experience's story was.
2: Well, again, I'll try to uh, keep it spoiler free just for Ian's sake.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um
2: I. There. It's par for the course. From Software has a very abstract, kind of shrouded way of telling the stories in their games where you kind of have to rely on NPC dialogue, which is very rare because NPCs are very rare and don't say much in these games when you come across them. And perhaps even more so, item descriptions. That's kind of been the big way of discovering things about the world you'll like pick up a piece of armor and you can see its stats but there's always like a little blurb attached to it like oh this this armor belonged to a great knight from a land far away to the east or something like that you know (laughs) and like people piece that together into like the universe so it's (sighs) i guess you could say you're like making if a if a complete world and story is like a banquet, you're like piecing the banquet together from individual crumbs. Does that is does that make sense? Can you kind of see yes. what I'm saying with that? Yeah. Yeah,
0: sure. Um, and and,
1: uh, to cut mm-hmm. into that, um, yeah. I've heard theories that Elden Ring is a precursor to all of their games um, because Elden Ring has multiple endings, just like the past games. Um, mm-hmm. But apparently, each ending has um, some type of tale or tell that rings into. Uh, all their past games like dark souls um you've got uh what bloodborne and yep. what was the other one i can't even Takira? remember i th- i don't know if one of them reads or, or leads into Sekiro or uh Demon Demon souls? Demon souls. yes thank okay. you so there's like three different or multiple than three different but three of the endings uh lead into each of their games court like respond like that way um mm-hmm and it, it does seem like they kind of made it vague so it you know people could use their brains and figure it out but yeah i thought that was pretty cool
2: yeah you know. it it leads to discussion you know it's kind of a fun thing to nerd out about this this kind of stuff and like oh what does this mean oh well it could mean this well i think it means this you know that kind of stuff It's exactly. that's a big thing in um warhammer 40k as far as i know you know there's lots of vague stuff that can lead to fan theory and speculation i will say i was hoping they would kind of break the mold it's their way of telling stories is perfectly fine i'm not i'm not criticizing it i was just with this whole push for george rr R. martin as like helping write <laughs> the story i would have expected something a bit more unique relative to the other games uh so for me the story i think is totally fine but I wasn't very satisfied because I was expecting something different, but, but like, don't I, get me wrong. It's not, it's not bad by any just for, yeah. Again, yeah. I was hoping that they would do something different and I don't really think they did. I don't, I don't really get why George R. R. Martin was like brought onto this project. I don't see any of his influence. in. Um, if you
1: look at a lot of the NPCs, they actually spell out his name.
2: Oh, really?
1: Okay. Yeah, there's a lot that's of G cool. names. There's a lot of, uh, like, R names. Um, oh, sure, sure. Yeah. there's okay. The, if you look into it, there's that's another theory, but that one actually rings more true. A lot of the mm-hmm. NPCs spell out his name.
2: Gotcha.
0: Yeah, so uh, from what I heard, the um, George R. R. Martin's involvement was basically writing uh, the... He he built the story a thousand years before the events of what happened during the game.
2: Oh, okay. Um, I can kind of see that.
0: That's cool. And then and then it was up and then the developers and the other people who did the story in the game kind of brought brought it into the future or whatever. Oh, okay. Um, but yeah. So you know, I just you know was curious about the story. Wanted to ask about it. Um, yeah. Did it feel like? Question yeah did it feel like when you got to the end, like did it just come out of the blue, or did it feel like there was an like a you know, an arc?
2: No, it didn't feel like that. Uh, the it's pretty great. The end of the game is a sort of boss rush where mm-hmm. th- there's like i'll just I won't say how many just to keep it a surprise for Ian, but there's multiple bosses like back to back in different rooms, like you'll clear a boss you'll walk like 10 feet and then there's going to be another arena and that happens multiple times so and before that um you like go to a part of the world to like do a big plot relevant thing and then you go to an entirely different zone to follow through on that and then at that point the world is notably changed again i can't say how because it's a big spoiler um and then you go to like the final zone. So it, you you see it coming a ways away, you know, like 20 hours before the end of the game, you see you know you're like in the in the final act, I would say. So they did a very good job of kind of um not having it come out of nowhere.
0: Yeah. Cool. Uh you've been playing anything else lately or just mainly focusing on finishing that up?
2: Yeah, I've uh so, you know, I was trying to just pushed through Elden Ring so I could kind of complete it and have a fully informed opinion on it. Um, And since I've beaten it, I've, I mentioned, I started a second playthrough this time, you know, my first playthrough was level one, no armor, no online, just kind of me and the game mechanics. Um, The second playthrough though is kind of my victory lap. And I'm, you know, I'm summoning my friends in, I'm using like miracles, or I think they're called incantations in this game, like lightning bolts and, Like enchanting my weapon and stuff, and totally tearing through everything. Uh, You're
0: going beyond level one this time.
2: Oh yeah, yeah. I'm at like level 120 or something right now. Mm Damn. So (laughs) it's it's new game plus. I I brought my character into new game plus, so like everything's more uh, has more health and does more damage. Just to you get more souls, or you do, you do. Okay, you do. Okay, good. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's it's not. It's noticeable, but it's not a crazy amount more. I'll say that.
3: Oh, okay. Ooh, but it does make a difference. Mm-hmm.
2: Oh yeah, and, yeah. Uh, and besides that, um, I'm trying to get more into Monster Hunter Generations Ultimate. So you know, once I make some solid progress in that, I'll probably spend a block talking about that because that is like that's like 700 plus hours. <laughs> mm. So. I'm going to definitely talk about that before I fully complete the game, quote unquote, because I don't know if I'm ever going to do that with how much the crazy amount of content they put in it. Mm -hmm. But look forward to that. And finally, um, I'm continuing to play Dominions, Dominions 5, that kind of like turn based strategy game that's kind of high fantasy with spells undead and all sorts of stuff and the games that I've been playing for the last couple of weeks are starting to come to a head, mm-hmm. I think. In in the first one I started, I'm about to <laughs> basically lose, but the person that took me out, I'm going to cause them to lose too. So mm-hmm. it's like they basically started it, and I brought us both down out of the game. The second game, I actually got into a battle with that same person of course we're playing different nations in the second game but in that game i'm uh i'm basically about to wipe him out totally and i didn't really take any losses so it's going to be it's a four-person game i'm about to take out one player another guy is about to fully take out the other player so it's going to devolve into like one massive war between me and the other guy to determine who's the last man standing Nice. And then, yeah, it's it's pretty cool, pretty climactic. And then mm-hmm. in the third game, I'm actually it's a co-op game, two v two. I'm co-oping with the person I'm about to go to war with in the second game, which is kind of funny. And uh, looks like we're winning that one because we kind of shut down one of our two opponents pretty early, mm-hmm. but the other opponent is doing really well and kind of like keeping us from taking out the first guy. So. That's still up in the air. Anything could happen. I think we'll win that one, but who knows? And then besides that, it's just, I've just been busy because it's uh, finals are coming up. So I've been really Mm. busy with school. So not too much else to talk about. Maybe hope to see, you know, Sonic 2 and Sonic and give my feedback on those. But
0: yeah, listen to some King Gizzard.
2: Yes. Yes.
0: Nice. Cool. Cool. Look forward to hearing that in a couple weeks. Yeah,
2: um, I'll I have
0: go ahead say and, that about wraps yeah. up my blog. Nice. All right, I'll go ahead and jump into uh, my blog. Uh, just a couple of things I wanted to talk about. So me and Nicholas have been playing a lot of um, Mario Golf from the Nintendo 64. Oh, released-
3: okay.
0: Yeah, they released that on the... Um, on the online service for the Nintendo Switch. And we figured we'd give it a try. Just something to do one night we were bored. And to our surprisement, or, uh, you know. Yeah, that's the word, right? Is that a word? Surpri- surprisement?
4: I mean, combining
0: surprise and amazement. To our... Uh, <laughs> <clears throat> but, yeah. Surprisement. <laughs> to our surprisement, we discovered that the game is actually pretty fun. Awesome. slash borderline better than the Mario golf game that came out last year last, last year yeah, <laughs> for the switch yeah, yeah, this game that's twenty years older than it. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't know exactly when it came out, but it's just uh, you know, there was a tried and true formula, and I don't it it these games seem are seemingly easy to make, I don't know. How they kind of messed up this modern game so bad.
4: Well, and I I feel like the one for the N sixty four that we're playing is actually more challenging than the one for the Switch.
3: Mm -hmm.
4: Yeah, and it's Mario characters playing golf. Mm -hmm. The golf mechanics are pretty decent. There is no weirdness to how your shot is.
0: Yeah, you you can see it's a little dated in like the uh, the potting mechanics and. Uh, A couple, a a couple things, but it's mostly pretty good and still holds up. It's been a lot of fun.
2: How does it compare to the GameCube version? Which one would you prefer if you've played that?
0: Uh, I did not play, I didn't play the GameCube version. Okay. I mean, me neither. Yeah. You guys
2: should give it a try sometime. I think you'll
0: like it. Sure. That's the GameCube in general is a I owned one for a few months and only had a couple games on it, but other than that, I haven't had a ton of experience with it. It's oh, like okay. the one Nintendo black hole that I have. Oh okay. um, so yeah.
2: I would um, recommend fixing that because I just like there are some real, real great games on the GameCube. Like I I think the GameCube if this analogy makes sense, the GameCube is like Nintendo's PS2.
3: Oh, okay.
2: But, you know, sure. Like really solid catalog, I'd say.
0: Yeah. Sure. Yeah, I, and as a as a game collector, I would definitely love to to own something like that. Mm-hmm. Get the box and a lot of those yeah, games. Yeah. The you know it's easy enough to get the system. A lot of those games are very expensive. Ah, uh, but um, and I'll you know. Speaking of which, I was going to mention this roof on um, on Monday. I'm going to start the um the process of, of buying a house. Oh, so,
2: nice!
0: Yeah, congratulations! Gonna go, thank you. I'm going to go to the bank and try and get pre-approved and all that stuff, and then mm-hmm. start shopping around. Be- a
1: mixture between stress and excitement for you. <laughs>
0: um, yeah, it's mostly stress. Or <laughs> I, I would have imagine. done it w- way before now, but yeah, yeah the
1: market I can imagine.
0: Yeah, that and having to make phone calls and email people and. Mm-hmm. But I've I've committed to it yeah, mentally or whatever, and also got all my ducks in a row financially and stuff, so. Great. more to come on that stuff in the future definitely and um more to come on Mario Golf me and Nick have been playing it together and trying to unlock all the characters so i think we're about halfway done pretty exciting we did discover too that there's a there's a code you can put on the on the opening screen to unlock all the characters but mm. <laughs> We decided not to do that. We're gonna do it sure. the old-fashioned way. Yeah. Um, and then, weren't you playing a couple other N64 games on there that you were enjoying?
4: I mean, I I tried, jumped into Paper Mario for a little while just to, for nostalgia's sake. I didn't mm-hmm. I didn't get very far into gotcha. it. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, what else?
0: We played some Doctor Mario. 64. Yeah. We
4: played played <laughs> a couple of a couple of rounds of that. <laughs>
0: Yeah. It's been pretty fun messing around with those old retro games on the uh on the Switch N64 expansion pack, whatever they call that bad boy.
4: Yeah, I I really wish that they, w- they would release the games for purchase. Yeah. For a uh, Switch members that didn't have that don't have a Wii or a Wii U to be able to get the those old eShop games.
0: <laughs> be able to download them and
4: yeah because i mean at some point they're going to shut down the switch servers is my guess and then we're not going to have access to any of that Mm
0: -hmm. right on uh so one last thing real quick i just the disc golf tournament this past weekend was very exciting it was one of the uh majors one of the four majors of the year so a very big tournament it was won by chris dickerson who is a uh, you know he's a um, very recognizable guy in disc golf. He's always wearing camo and he's from down south and wears it proud. And um, he, he's a uh, he's a real nice guy. But this was his second major that he won, so he mm. has um uh, so, you know solidified his status as being one of the best of all time, and he's going to be in the Hall of Fame and all that good stuff. So. And um also this um this tournament was notable because it was the best field that we've ever had in a disc golf tournament. so the who the who's who of disc golfers was there uh, or the best of the best, I should say. Mm. and um so he had to really fight off some stiff competition to win that one. yeah,
4: i I think in the final round, he came back from two or three back to actually win it. So he he gained a lot of strokes to Wow. yeah, to be able to um come out with the win. It yeah. was it was a really great
0: weekend to watch. Mm-hmm. I know these names don't mean much to you, but he came back he um came from behind to beat Ricky Waisaki, Calvin Heimburg. I can't remember who the other guy was, but I mean these are excellent players, the best mm-hmm. of the best hard to mm-hmm. beat, so good for chris dickerson um i think that's all i had that i wanted to bring up this week um i just i wanted to give ian a little bit of time if he if you had anything you wanted to mention before we get out of here
1: I'm um, sure i mean there's not a whole lot um mm-hmm. life's been interesting to say the least um but uh mm-hmm. my my intentions are going to be turning to tiny, tiny tina's um, uh, that new game for Tiny Tina. I can't even think of it. Tiny right Tina's now. Wonderlands. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, that That's <laughs> the one. It's it's really intriguing to me. And I think I mentioned this the last time I was on where it's just like a, a comical D&D spin-off in a video game mm-hmm. and uh, uses the cell shading and Borderlands style in it. And it just seems like an all around fun game. Maybe I'll play with some people. Maybe I won't. I haven't decided yet. Mm-hmm. Um, That has been on my list. I, I recently started a book called the Mistborn series um, and you people may or may not realize it or know what the series is. It's it's kind of big, but it's also kind of like not main. It, it's mainstream, but not mainstream. I don't know how to describe it any more than that. Um, hmm. It's a popular series, but it's also I'm assuming nobody's heard of it in here.
4: I know no, I, I haven't. I. It sounds familiar. Who who's the author?
1: Uh the author is Brandon Sanderson.
4: Okay, was... yeah. I know who Brandon Sanderson is.
1: Okay. Yeah, it, He, he been...
4: actually finished the last 3 books of the Wheel of Time series. Oh, I didn't know that. That's <clears throat> yeah. pretty cool. And his his writing is fantastic. Yeah.
1: Um so it's it is his series is called Mistborn. Um and it is a novel series. I can't remember how many there are. Uh, I think there's 6. Maybe more than that. Um, I think he's still writing anyway. It's a high fantasy genre. It's about like um, this uh, it, this person called Kelsier. Um, and I think it's int- introducing some more characters. Um, I'm only in like the first and a half chapter. And, and I haven't gotten too far in it. But it's like these al- he's an allomancer, I'm assuming, where they like eat metal and use that metal to cast like weird spells and shit. And he's trying to free the rest of his people, which are Ska, and they're like a peasant class type people that are enslaved by the, the ruling class and the uh, Lord Ruler and these, like, stuck up pieces of shit, to put it mildly. Um, <laughs> and uh, he's he's going around trying to free him, and he discovers, uh, like somebody that's been working as a thief for uh, another guy and she has like special powers and he's trying to set her free right now in the book and it's his writing is very like you said it's very very good and and it i don't know too much about the series so far but as of right now his writing has kind of ensnared me (laughs) um if you are looking for something high fantasy and gonna get stuck in for a while. That's the way to go. I do plan on doing the Wheel of Time after this series because I want to watch the series first before I start listening to the books, so I can compare and contrast.
4: Dude, you're doing um, it wrong.
1: And I, yeah, I don't want to do them side by side, or it's, it's like ugh, I'll never. Just get read it the done. books.
4: Those are already all out.
1: I know, but I want to watch this TV series first.
4: You like, won't I, have to wait ten years.
1: I know, but I'll wait. I'm patient. Um, the other thing I'm gonna bring up is the Netflix. Everybody has anybody heard about the whole fiasco with Netflix going on right now?
4: What them losing subscribers because they're a joke?
2: (laughs) Yeah. So
1: the stocks tanked. I don't know what it is right now. Let me double check. But last time I checked it, they dropped from like four hundred something dollars to two hundred and something. Oh yeah, the stock right now is two hundred fifteen dollars. So they like they. they dropped a lot in the past month. They were at, yeah, three hundred and forty seven dollars, and now it's currently at two hundred and fifteen dollars. and basically Dang. wow they they came out and said they were cracking down on people' password sharing and you know, due to that and them recently increasing their price over and over again in the past two years, it, people are starting to get fed up, and there was like a mm-hmm. max mass exiting, and people were like, "Well, that sucks." and so they just lost like. Uh, as you could see, like $200 right out of the gate. <laughs> uh, yeah. The, it's crazy to me
2: to you could see that. Um, yeah. Thanks for sharing. I was kind of in the dark about this, but that like that totally makes sense. I think in my opinion, that's a long time coming for the reasons you mentioned. But I think you it, this has been a problem for even longer than all the stuff you were talking about. Yeah. But with the when people saw Netflix and how profitable they were, how much money they were making and all of the other, you know, studios and producers wanted a piece of the pie. When all those other streaming services popped up, I think that was like kind of the I, I know uh, hindsight is is 2020. Uh, but that was looking back. That was kind of the beginning of the end, because at least for me personally, when that happened, like I couldn't find really anything I wanted to watch on Netflix anymore because I would I'd like, oh I want to watch this movie. Oh, it's not on Netflix. Let me Google this. Oh, that's that's why, because another like competitor stole it. You know, another competitor who has the rights to that movie is has it on their streaming service. Yeah. I think like basically, you know, all the all the classics kind of got siphoned off of of Netflix to pump up, you know, other streaming platforms and as you were saying you know so first they lose all all their good movies then they bump up the prices you know they make it harder for you to account share which I mean that's it's their right to do that but I think a lot of people are like hey can I like borrow your Netflix account right like can I like have your user and password to watch it, right like I, I mean, have I've,
0: my roommates yeah, well yeah, uh, I mean like, I've,
2: I've done that with like my dads I trade with people
4: past. I don't care yeah
2: Yeah, I don't
4: I don't pay Netflix anymore (laughs) because of that like not that reason alone. But Mm -hmm. like like you had said, it uh, every other streaming service, Disney in particular, Mm -hmm. pretty much shut down streaming services for everybody else. It's like Disney and Hulu. That's what you get now. Mm -hmm. Um, Just because Disney owns everything. Yep. Um, But they pulled everything from Netflix that's why i got rid of it i was like yeah. i have like trailer park boys that i am interested in watching
0: on there and other than that i don't care mm-hmm. so i just stopped paying them there's also like so many streaming services that have popped up since netflix came up there's got to be oh, no, yeah. less than a dozen of them now right if not you know, at more.
4: at least sure. and then there's like the all the anime specific ones as well uh, yeah. then there's Just sports. There's so many different streaming services. Yeah,
2: it's it's kind of funny that um you know originally oh sorry I'll I'll let you finish Nick and then
4: oh I was gonna say they should lump them all back into one and call it cable.
2: Yeah, no kidding. It's literally I was just for a discounted price. That's actually what's happening with when you like tally the price to get all of these streaming services on your monthly bill, it's like just as much as cable. You know, Mm. it's like probably at least over a hundred bucks, probably mid one hundreds or something, something crazy. And a lot of people are doing it. We're going to see like when Netflix first came out, it really struck a blow against piracy because it was so cheap and so high quality and you had such a plethora of content. But now that we're basically back to the equivalent of cable, which sucks, you know, you're paying a bunch of money um for
4: people are pirating.
2: Yeah, it's like people are going to start pirating again. It's like a supply and demand thing. Um you you gave a good uh, originally a good product to the market that was like so good, you know, people would rather just pay the I don't know what it originally was like 10 bucks, 12 bucks. It was like 10 bucks. Yeah, a month for like every classic movie ever on Netflix. And now it's like, oh, you have to pay the to get that equivalent amount of content, you need to pay like 150 bucks a month. It's like yeah. Fuck that. I'm gonna just fucking pay five bucks for a VPN, turn that <laughs> on, and then just fucking pirate all these movies, you know, and save hundred bu- hundreds of dollars a month. So
1: you did yeah. not hear that from your local streaming service.
4: <laughs> piracy is bad.
1: That's yeah. Right. I mean, I'm mm-hmm. just I'm just saying as an
2: example.
4: as as someone <laughs> whose future wife works in the movie industry, piracy is bad. Mm-hmm. But don't overpay for your streaming services.
2: Yeah, and the worst case scenario, you can always <laughs> just not pay or pirate, and just you know go the Ian route and just like do, build a skill or learn something. You know, like <laughs> yeah. I wouldn't say that I
1: do watch a lot, but <laughs> yeah, to that point, you're you're right. You you we're can have that, that self that self discipline and learn something else besides yeah, spending like, your time and
2: we're not we're not beholden to these to these companies. Like it's. Media is awesome, but at the end of the day, we don't need it, you know? And if they're going to try and screw people, you can always just say, I'm not going to pay for this or support this and walk away. Yeah. So
3: Look,
2: you know, everybody look at gives to
0: Chick-fil-A. <laughs> Chick-fil- Chick-fil-A is... Look at the Chick-fil-A wanna, in Westbrook.
2: I want to try Chick-fil-A. I've never tried it. And there's so much fuss and hype around it that mm. I just want to see what if it's good or bad you know like
4: it's not that good i've had it i don't i don't like them because yeah political
0: they uh they put a um they put a chick-fil-a in westbrook and it's been there for like three or four months now and i still don't think you can get anywhere near it this is like a line
1: pretty busy It's it's
0: ridiculous yeah
1: the consumerism for American people is outrageous. To be honest Dude, with you, it's because it, they
4: put they put God in their chicken nuggets. <laughs> Jesus, well,
2: I think there's a yeah. big thing too where like Maine was trying to ban Chick Fil A because of the politics stuff, and then this is like the only one in the state or something like that, or at least the only one in Southern Maine. Yeah, there's oh, one up yeah.
4: in Bangor too. I think those are the only two in the state.
2: Okay, that probably yeah. is part of why there's like a line.
0: Mm-hmm. Right on. Cool. Anything else you want to talk about, Ian?
1: Nah, not a whole lot. That, uh, not a whole lot going on. But those are the things I wanted to to cover, and I'm glad I got them out.
0: Yes. Thanks you for bringing up that Netflix story. Thank Thank you, yeah. Thanks. That was pretty that was cool. interesting. Yeah. All right. Any anybody else? Anything you want to talk about? Oh, everyone good? Excellent. All right. Then we will say goodbye for two weeks. Uh, reminder, please email us at theblockspodcast@gmail.com, at gmail.com. And we will answer all your questions in two weeks. Until then, everybody have a good one. Uh, my name is Tim, and we are out. See, See you guys.